Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Friday, May the 5th. And welcome to our commentary. We're going to be talking a little bit today about Cinco de Mayo, because it's uh, it's an interesting topic of mine, because you may be familiar with the story of Cinco de Mayo, but uh, you may not. So I'm going to tell you a little story about what it means in the United States and what it means in Mexico. Same day, two entirely different stories. So we'll get into that in a second. Just a quick reminder, I have a post over at the American Thinker today talking about uh, Robert Kennedy and his remarks regarding the border, the crisis on the border. I probably don't have that much in common politically with Robert Kennedy Jr. He's probably more of a liberal than I am. But I got to tell you, there are some things that he's saying that make a lot of sense, make a lot of sense, whether it's the lockdowns, his uh, opposition to the lockdowns, uh, whether it's uh, his comments, for example, on men uh, playing in women's sports. And now the way he's addressed this whole issue of the border, where he's been very critical of the Biden administration on the border and basically saying, look, you know, you cannot have a criminal living inside the United States, a man who was deported four or five times. So on this point, I think Robert Kennedy Jr., who is a presidential candidate, uh, and I think if he gets in, into a debate with uh, President Biden or, frankly, any Democrat, I think he could be very effective. Uh, anyway, so I, I don't know where he's going to go, but at the moment he's scoring like 19% in a poll that I saw. So that's a lot of people for a guy who has no political experience. All he has is obviously a famous name, and that matters a little bit. Other people had famous names. But for example, George Bush was a governor. I mean, he was the son of a president, true, but he was the governor of Texas, successful governor uh, of Texas when he ran for, for president. Jeb Bush had been a very successful governor of Florida when he ran when he ran for president. So in this case, you have a man with a name and not much more, and he's getting 19% in a poll against uh, the incumbent president of the United States. My gut feeling is that that 19% is going to grow and will become a problem for for President Biden. Well, let's talk about Cinco de Mayo. Uh, up here in the United States, Cinco de Mayo has become sort of a Mexican heritage day. Exactly when that happened, I was attending a, a breakfast presentation Friday, uh, this Friday morning, and there was a gentleman who spoke uh, about the history of Cinco de Mayo in the United States, and he traced it back many, many years to some of the original Mexican communities here in the United States. And then, of course, over the last 20 years or so, when I've seen it, when I've seen you know Cinco de Mayo explode uh, as a celebration, let's say in the last 30 years, it's become a, a day of Mexican heritage. And you see you know, the parades and you see the celebrations, obviously a lot of good food that uh, you can eat on Cinco de Mayo, most of the uh, of the Mexican restaurants get all dressed up and they offer some great food on, on this day. So it's a great celebration up here of Mexican uh, Heritage Day. Not officially that, but it's just kind of turned into that, into Mexican 
Heritage Day, and it's a lot of fun for those of us who like uh, good Mexican food, especially good Tex-Mex food, which is my favorite uh, type of, of Mexican food. In Mexico, though, uh, May the 5th is an entirely different holiday. On May the 5th, 1862, there was a very important battle between the French army and the Mexican army. And the Mexican army was seen as an underdog army against the more professional and you know very strong French army. And there was a battle in the city of Puebla. That's where the Battle of Puebla, that's where the name comes from. And the Mexican army scored a big upset. And it was kind of a turning point, turning point, because as, uh, as, as this gentleman was telling us on Friday morning at, uh, at our weekly breakfast, that had the Mexicans lost that conflict with the French or had the French won, there was a lot of talk that the French wanted to turn Mexico into a colony, uh, sort of similar to the French colonies in Africa, like Algeria and Morocco and stuff like that. Not Maybe not Morocco, but Algeria for sure, uh, in Africa. And there was a lot of fear that that's what would happen if the Mexicans would lose that battle. So winning that battle became not only a moral victory for the army, but uh, again, according to this gentleman who spoke today, it was a real turning point in Mexican history and at least securing that Mexico would remain an independent uh, sovereign country. So down in Mexico, they celebrate Cinco de Mayo as the Battle of Puebla, uh, when they remember the courage of those uh, Mexican soldiers in that battle. It is not the kind of celebration, I mean, they don't, you know, close the streets or or have a day off or anything like that. It's more of a, you know, they're targeted celebrations. You see them in schools and uh, in some of the military schools and in the military bases, there is recognition of these uh, heroic uh, Mexican soldiers, but it's not a national holiday. You don't have restaurants, for example, offering a Battle of Puebla menu on, on a day like this. That's up here. Food celebration is up here. Down in Mexico, it's just a, you know, it simply marks another historic moment in the history of Mexico in the 19th century. It's a great contrast. So it's really interesting because when you talk to somebody, let's say a Mexican-American or somebody who grew up here in the Southwest, you know, Cinco de Mayo, of course, is a big day of celebration, Mexican heritage, as I said before. But when you're talking to somebody from Mexico, it's, uh, it's a battle. It's a celebration of the Battle of Puebla. And, you know, it's sort of like, for example, the way we celebrate Gettysburg, the Battle, the battle of Gettysburg. The Battle of Gettysburg, of course, was a very important battle in the Civil War. It's sort of the same thing, how they celebrate uh, the Battle of Puebla. So it, it's a great contrast between, you know, how Mexicans up here and Mexicans down there celebrate um, the same day. It, it's just a fascinating, fascinating um, contrast. One of the things that I... Uh, We'll be posting about over the weekend, I think Saturday morning. You may be familiar with what happened in the state of Colorado where the teachers union wrote a resolution basically saying that capitalism of the, of the people, blaming capitalism for every evil of the world, poverty, you know, it, that capitalism was bad for children, you know, and didn't promote LGBT rights and all these, uh, these other things. And it's become very controversial, of course, but although... The resolution is not binding. It nevertheless reflects what's going on 
in the teachers union in Colorado and probably in the teachers unions in many other countries. Now, if you're a parent in Colorado, what options do you have? Not many. Because Colorado is, a, is becoming a blue state, or at least Denver, Boulder, uh, the cities are, are, are blue. Uh, you know, the, the rural areas are still very red. But the, the, the states are basically dominated politically by Denver and Colorado Springs and some of the, some of the more liberal cities. So if you're a parent in Colorado and you see a resolution like that and you're screaming about how crazy that resolution is, what options do you really have? Not many. I mean, option number one, I guess you could pull your kid out of the public education and do homeschooling, which is what many parents are doing. I saw a statistic that something like 11% of the children in the country right now are homeschooled. I mean, that's a pretty big number. The second option in Colorado, if you don't like what the teachers union is doing, I guess you can always go to a private school, but that, of course, is very expensive. Or the third option is what many people are doing. Uh, they're basically just getting the heck out of Colorado and moving uh, somewhere else. But this really, I think, in so many ways, this resolution is like taking off the mask, honestly, of the teachers union. The teachers union used to be about, you know, helping the teachers make more money and that kind of thing and securing health care and all that kind of stuff, which I think everybody uh, would support. But in this particular issue, I think what you're really seeing is how the left has taken over these public sector unions and they've become basically a part of the Democrat Party. I mean, they are a part of the Democrat Party and they, you know, they work to elect Democrats, as we just saw in Chicago. The only reason that that fellow Johnson uh, was elected in Chicago is because the teachers union just literally became his campaign staff and they're knocking on doors getting getting people to vote. So that's uh you know that that's not the that that's not what teachers unions were supposed to be. And it kind of reminds or for that matter public sector unions. But it reminds me of a comment that President Franklin Roosevelt made uh, many years ago back in the 30s or 40s. He was an opponent of public sector unions because he didn't think public sector unions would work in the interest of the citizens. He thought that, in essence, what would happen, what you're seeing in California, what you just saw in Chicago, the teachers unions would become very politicized with one party or the other. And I think President Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, was right about that. And we're seeing it. You're seeing it. Look at the influence of the public sector unions in California, Illinois, New York, New Jersey. I mean, look, Maryland. I mean, they're basically running the states. That's how the Democrats get uh, get their majorities. Well, I saw a poll, and I know that uh, I've said before that I don't get that excited about polling data this early in the game. But Rasmussen came up with a poll about 2024, and they created the ticket of Trump DeSantis. They said, what if Trump DeSantis, what, is, what if that's the ticket, the GOP ticket? And that ticket would defeat Biden-Harris by eight points, 51-43. Now, that speaks volumes because you're cracking 50%, which is an important number in any election. And I mean, look, if, if you have a, a Republican president cracking 51%, you're talking about an electoral college landslide because you would have a lot of states, uh, like, for example, uh, potentially uh, Massachusetts and Virginia and Michigan and Wisconsin, a lot of those states would flip with uh, with that kind of 
of a popular performance by by the president, uh, whoever the presidential candidate is. So, you know, I've said before that it's too early to look into 2024. I've said before that uh, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense to get excited about 2024 yet. But DeSantis is supposed to be announcing next week. And once these things get going, it'll be interesting to see where it all ends up. And I would not be surprised at all if we end up with a Trump-DeSantis ticket as a way of unifying uh, the party. And then, of course, you would have a, a, a ticket in 2024 that I think would enjoy a lot of success uh, against the Biden-Harris ticket. It would be basically a comparison type of ticket, you know, say, hey, Remember us, we're the ones who give you these things. And look at these guys, they're the ones who have made things a lot worse for you. So too early to get into into polling and and so on, but it's fascinating. I thought it was fascinating that that, uh, Rasmussen had that poll, Trump DeSantis beating uh, Biden-Harris by eight points in 2024. Have a great weekend, everybody. This is... uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. We're trying to put together, by the way, a show about Mexico, and I've got a couple of guests that I'm talking to, and maybe Sunday night we're going to be doing something about Mexico. I'll I'll keep you posted. Keep an eye on on our blog. Bye-bye, everybody. Have a great weekend. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and happy, happy Cinco de Mayo if you uh, celebrate that. We do here in Texas. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs>